0: Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMulder.
1: And I'm Sam Blackwell. This week, we're going to tackle topics like asking, what are we? Feeling replaced? And shame over your number. Ooh. Mm -hmm. But before we begin, we just want to give you Our Surgeon General's warning, which is that we are not licensed therapists and no one gave us permission to do this.
0: No one. And we're not qualified. We are not trained in this. Our advice is uh, piecemeal at best.
1: (laughs) It is the amalgamation of many things that we didn't read but pretended to.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That is unfortunately like half of my bookshelf. I'm like, oh, I'll read that one day. Anyway, this is all proof. Uh, that you should please take our advice as you see fit. We are not professionals. We are only here to offer our humble musings to hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing experience that is love. Hi, Sam. Welcome Hello. to this week's episode. Um, can you believe we are like halfway through August already?
1: No. <laughs> it's, I this- can't believe that it's not still March at this point. <laughs>
0: I know. This hellish year is like simultaneously dragging on, but repeatedly, like repeatedly punching us in the face with mm-hmm. time moving <laughs> and sure. shitty things happening. Um, okay. So our check-in topic for today is based on the idea. It wasn't from a letter or anything. I just thought of it. Like, what do you do? Not from personal experience, but um, <laughs> not current personal experience. What really? Do you I hate do, Willow. <laughs> The funny thing is I haven't even gotten to the wa- sharing the fucking topic, So we're just like cutting ourselves off at the ankles and nobody knows what we're laughing at. <laughs> this is proof uh, that we're not professionals. Okay.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Um, like every comedian out there is like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, say um, the joke.
1: Don't just cut to the punchline. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, the second topic is dating someone that your friends don't like or your family or whatever, but like dating someone that your inner circle has a problem with for whatever reason, um, whether that's a just problem, like they cheated on you or a total asshole to your friends or your friends and them just don't vibe. That, now that's why you get my joke is because it's not from current, you know, like people like willow
1: (laughs) i do Um, i don't actually hate her just for the record to make that clear i think she's really great
0: (laughs) um okay so but have you had experience um dating somebody that your friends didn't like
1: absolutely i did (laughs) it's like Uh, the one person in the world you've almost gotten into a physical altercation with is someone that i dated
0: honestly i am not ashamed to admit that (laughs) that's great yeah, yeah. I have never wanted to, like, get into a cat fight with a grown man before.
1: But I feel <laughs> I'm like... I'm so glad that he could give you that experience.
0: Well, I feel like uh, our cat fight would just turn into us, like, doing, like, the fight dancing from West Side Story.
1: Yeah, or just, like, hitting... <laughs>
0: yeah, like... Like, Whaaaah! lightly. <laughs> like, no, I would have smacked that motherfucker... No, Violence is not the answer, but I don't think I would want to lightly tap that man. (laughs) That's what the truth said.
1: Yeah, listen, I (laughs) didn't. I didn't just lightly tap him. (laughs) I'll tell you that much.
0: (laughs) Okay, on to the check-in topic. Uh, So, yes, your friends didn't like him. And what was that experience like for you?
1: It was really awful. Um, Yeah. It was very isolating. I felt like, I think especially when things started to get bad and I was like, this relationship wasn't great. Um, it was oh really God, hard yeah. because the fact is, is that I didn't have friends. I didn't feel like I had friends to go to, to right, talk about how bad want it was. To,
0: you don't want to divulge about how bad it is because then it proves that they're right. I love that you right. use the word isolating because even, even prepping for this episode and thinking about this check-in topic, I, I really upon reflection made me, I came to the conclusion that there's no good place to be. There's no safe place to be when your friends or loved ones don't like your partner, because when you're Mm -hmm. with them, no matter how much you love them, like there's an incompleteness or a sense of betrayal and vice versa, the other way around. Like when you're with your friends or family, I was Mm -hmm. talking to somebody who had a really contentious relationship like that with their best friend and their partner of several years. And she said that, she just started compartmentalizing it you know she started really managing it in in like a a laborious way that became a second nature because she was together for so long and they and they just did not mix so it was like they didn't hang out they didn't cross paths as a full group it was just mm-hmm. like one on one outings vice versa um and how that just like you said Um, The hardest part wasn't that extra labor of like managing multiple calendars or, or like keeping those people separated. It was when things got bad, she felt like she couldn't tell her best friend because it would be adding fuel to that fire or just like, Mm -hmm. you know, the, our personal pride of not wanting someone to be like, told you so, you know,
1: for sure. And honestly, like I didn't know if my friends liked me anymore, right? Totally.
0: Oh my God.
1: And that was, I think that was really hard. Was that like, you know, I would throw, I would throw a party and my friends wouldn't come
0: Mm, and they wouldn't
1: come. No, I know. It's very, (laughs) you know, me and my fucking
0: bleeding heart. I I can't
1: handle it. Uh, No, it was honestly like it is, it was a very difficult time and they wouldn't come because they didn't want to be around my partner. Right. Which like makes sense, but it's hard. It was impossible for me to like, to differentiate between they don't want to hang out with me and they don't want to hang out with my partner because the end was that I was at a, like I had a party where all of his friends were there and I had no one that I knew. Right. Like, that's really sad. That was like, and so then, and then I was like really mad at them too, because I was like, I can't believe you didn't come to my party. And it just like, it threw a wedge into everything. Um, yeah. and then like afterwards, when I was like, when things were getting really bad, I felt like I didn't have anyone to talk to except for mm-hmm. my one best friend who like continued to make the effort to like be friends with me throughout right. the whole process. Right.
0: Right. Totally. Uh, and
1: I think I'm thankful for him because like it helped me get out of that situation, but um, it just made me and I'm not going to like, I love my friends very much. And like many of them I have like made amends with and like talked it all through. Well, and and you so, like, have we're to good. understand
0: this is a long time ago. Like you and I weren't Absolutely. even close at that. I mean, I did almost like get into a fight with this yeah. guy, but we were at the stage of our friendship where we only saw each other like once every four to six months.
1: Yeah. We were like Um, party friends. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Where (laughs) we would just like get really drunk and have very meaningful conversations.
0: I did. I was trying to picture it. I was like, how did Sam and I get so close? And I think it's because we always, even though we partied together, we always had really intense conversations and our, Mm -hmm. our, social personal like morals grew in the same direction because i remember talking to you years ago about like um systemic racism and being Mm. like are are we on the same page about this sort of sort of like feeling you out you know because i had grown as a white person or whatever you know Mm. and you being like yeah i am also (laughs) anti-racist or whatever you were at the time you know for sure yep yeah um, anyway, so not nostalgic about us anymore <laughs> or like, no, yeah. Back off, uh, back onto the main topic. Um, we did a little yes. started there,
1: <laughs> but I, I think that that experience really taught me that I am always just going to be friends with people, even if I don't like who they're dating, because like, I always mm. want to be able to be there and I can figure it out how to be friends with someone who's dating someone awful. But like,
0: I think that's a very a feeling, mature, so- um, sentiment and one that was earned. You know, like I don't mm-hmm. think that is like I don't think that is an easy position for a lot of people to take. Um mm-hmm. and we get a bunch of letters about it. Oh my god, I hate my boy my friend's boyfriend or da-da-da-da-da. my mom hates my boyfriend or whatever. Um people really struggle with it, but I think you've earned that perspective because you were stuck in it, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just that feeling, I would never wish that feeling of isolation on anyone else. And so like mm-hmm. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do it to someone, especially because I want, if they ever need to get out of that situation, I want them to have someone to call. Right. I'm so yeah, thankful totally. for that friend that like really stuck with me when everyone else. And like, I don't even think I want to be clear. I don't think it was like intentional, like, Ooh, we're never going to talk to Sam right. again. It was just like, they didn't like to be around him and I was around yeah. him all the time. So like, it yeah, makes sense. And he was,
0: he was pretty grating <laughs> <laughs> what I remember of my, I mean, I, got, I hung out with this guy like twice, twice. He's um, yeah.
1: He was. Uh, I was really really attracted to big personalities who made people feel small. So,
0: is that your kink?
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway,
0: I know. Let's let's get off that topic. <laughs> um, let's uh. Well, let's segue away from your experience and kind of think about like what would you, what would we do now, or what would we tell people who are in that position? Because the other thing I was thinking when I was prepping for this, it's not just really like like with him the guy that we're talking about that was a really unhealthy relationship you know we were Mm -hmm. we were all young you know this was one of your um more serious relationships of your life and you know you were doing the best that you could as was this dude um and your friends were doing the best that they could trying to navigate not liking someone um and i was thinking you know that there are also there are healthy relationships in which you just don't vibe with the person you know you just Mm -hmm. like don't you find them annoying or not just or or you don't like their sense of humor or or whatever not that they're treating your friend poorly and so what do what do we do as like grown-ass adults who have no control over anyone else but ourselves how do we handle um well i guess one when you don't like someone's partner we've said it before you just You just got to deal with it, but Mm -hmm. two when you're when you feel as though, or you know that your partner, your friends don't like your partner, it just sucks. It's hot.
1: Yeah, it sucks. Yeah, especially because there's like there's nothing that you can do except for affirm your commitment to this person, right? right? And be like both
0: of them almost right because you want to affirm your friendship as well.
1: Yeah, and to say like, listen my best friend's not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere. Like, or like you're going to have to figure yeah. out how to be in the same room together. And I would say like, in my experience, nine times out of 10 people who are put in the same room together enough times, like just figure out how to deal with
0: it. <laughs> they figure out how to be in the same room together. Period. Yeah, right. Know? It's like, it's not like they figure out how to be friends. They just figure out how to exist next to each other.
1: Yeah. Right. Which I think is like, sometimes all that you can ask, right. Is right. to just be like, you don't have to like hang out all the time. You don't have to be like friends, friends, but you just have to like put up with the fact that you have to be in the same room together sometimes.
0: <laughs> totally. Um, I think too, my first instinct when I, I posed the question to us was thinking like, you know, my, my love always shows up in acts of labor, whether they're necessary or not. You know, I, I often over explain things or over accommodate because, because that's the way my anxiety and my love manifests. But as I'm thinking about it, like I think a good mantra to to say to yourself, if you know that your friends don't like your partner is that you have nothing to prove to them. You don't have to show them how good your partner is to you. You don't Mm. have to prove to show them all the little nice things that they do to you to make them worthwhile of your love and attention. Um, That's not your job and it's not their job to ask of it. Uh, Even if that's your instinct, it would be my instinct to be like, okay, Sam, let me tell you about all the good things about Willow. You know, that'd be my instinct is because I want you to see what I see, but the more, uh, not balanced, but the more secure response would be, well, people are different and people aren't for everyone. You know, that my, my, best friend and my partner are maybe not meant to be for each other. Uh, I'm lucky that I get both of them, Um, but I have to understand, I have to extend my understanding to them not getting along because uh, I think grinding yourself up against it might make it worse. Mm -hmm. That all being said, I think it's a shitty experience and going back to the very first word you said, it can be really isolating because you can't share those two loves together then.
1: Absolutely. But I, and I also think, there is something to say for like, also maybe like listen to your friends too, right? Like I Girl, think-
0: Girl, honestly.
1: <laughs> if I had listened to my friends, uh, I wouldn't have dated him for so long, but then I wouldn't be the person that I am. So like-
0: Right, I doesn't know, matter. it's so hard.
1: But I do think um, sometimes when our friends have um, like an outside perspective, it can it can sometimes be like, well, you don't understand the full extent of what's going on, but it can also be really helpful to to see what your relationship looks like From the outside to say like, oh, yeah, that thing I keep forgetting about those Mm -hmm. awful things that that person that my partner did to me mm -hmm. because because they keep buying me flowers or whatever. But it's but like my this is what my friend sees. And so maybe I should maybe I should give a little bit more um, weight to the awful things and not just get tied up in like the emotional rush that happens when we make up and everything feels good.
0: I was just thinking about that today because I saw somebody on Instagram got flowers from their partner, but they didn't say why. And so my brain immediately was like, oh my God, did they have a fight? Um, (laughs) Which is like a terrible (laughs) assumption. Um, But it made me stop and think like, isn't that weird that we grew up watching that as like a trope that got played out, which is that you argue and then you get flowers as though like flowers. I understand that it's a gesture and that all love languages are different, but that for me... Um, I want you to explain to me how you, like how we had that disagreement and how we can move forward. I don't want like a pretty thing from nature that I'm going to watch die on my dresser, you know, that my cat
1: is going (laughs) to eat.
0: I I love flowers. Um, but I was, I was thinking about today is about like, what, a it's almost like a, uh, like a free hall pass through arguments is to like clean them up with a a bouquet of flowers. Like that doesn't do anything for me. I like getting flowers as gifts, like for because they're pretty, but not as an apology present anyway. (laughs) Yeah. Especially
1: flowers. Like, I mean, if you're going to try and like win me over, at least like spend a little more money.
0: (laughs) Gift cards. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) Um, uh, the last thing I wanted to say too, was to your point, as soon as you started talking, like maybe we should listen to our friends. The last thing I'll say is honestly, every single time, I've either heard of somebody not liking, um, like a friend not liking a friend's partner, like the experience that I heard that I shared before, or vice versa. It's it's one of two things. One, the friend sees the red flags that. Mm you're not seeing or two the f- it's an unhealthy relationship friendship it's a it's like mm. an imbalanced friendship in which that friend is then feeling really threatened by the new relationship and is acting out um in like a
1: or way. three you knew that person that they started dating in college and you had a very specific idea of who they were, but then you were wrong about it when you realized that like a few months afterwards and then felt really bad about the fact that you hated that person for so long after college.
0: So is that maybe like a personal experience that you're talking about?
1: No, I think that that's a very universal thing. Oh yeah.
0: Very general. Yep. 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 Okay, cool. It wasn't like a, a specific English major. Experience. No, not, not
1: specific in any way. <laughs>
0: Okay, let's let's move on on to that point. Um, okay, let's get into some letters.
1: All right, let's do it. So this letter comes from Plant Mom, who's writing from the void. Plant Mom writes: I have been in a should we call it an isolation ship? Ooh, Thank you, newer, COVID.
0: Ding ding ding.
1: Right? <laughs> With my partner since May. It's been about three months of talking on the phone every single day, texts, calls, nightly movies over Discord. We we live an hour and a half apart, and about once a week or so, we make the commute to visit each other. Some background, we went to high school together, and though I had some strong emotions for him in high school, he never felt the same for me. Anyways, it's been six years since then, and we've been doing this thing for three months. It's been very genuine and slow-moving. Nothing has felt unsafe or made me question his motives. It has felt like a safe space for both of us to have during such a turbulent time. I am also POC, and he is not, so... This time in my life has been extra challenging. Mm. Well, goddamn, here I come like Thomas the train wreck. About a (laughs) month in, I started getting angsty and wondering what the heck are we? I went down to his city to see him last weekend and we had a great time. However, the only thing on my mind was it's been almost three months. How can we not have managed to label this or even talk about this? What is this? I stayed up all night thinking about it, and despite being given several opportunities in person to speak my mind, I chickened out. Mm. On the drive back to my city, after consulting with my friends, I called him. I asked him, what are we doing? And what are we? What is this? He immediately shut down and stonewalled me. He said, is this the right time to have this conversation? And would only give one word responses. Flustered. I apologized for putting him on the spot and he told me not to overthink it. And that was the end of our phone call. We haven't talked now for a few days. No phone calls, no texts, no movie nights. It's the longest we've gone without talking in our isolation ship. Sad face. I am bursting to reach out. All I want is to recant what I said. I wish I had done it more tactfully. He was in the middle of a family situation when I had called and I knew that and called anyways. My friends are adamant that I get him out of my life and block, 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 block and move on. I think he is, they think he is no good because he should have reached out by now and said something, anything. They also think his response by freezing up was rude and shows how little he cares about me. This has taken my initial response, which was to assume that this was a communication issue and made me think that he was using me. I'm a big ball of nerves now and have been crying nonstop. I am humbly. I come humbly to seek advice. What do you do when the what are we talk goes horribly wrong?
0: Okay, plant mom. Thank you so much for writing. Uh, I'm sorry that this happened and that you're feeling so anxious about it. Uh, mm-hmm. I would be too, honestly. Um, this would trigger a lot of feelings for me. Um, <clears throat> I, I want to first say that it's okay that you asked. It's Okay. It's a very Absolutely. natural thing to ask about, and just because you didn't ask at the right time or in the right way, asking is not the thing um, that went awry here. And I, I say that particularly because you say I'm, you know, that you're bursting to reach out and you want to recant what you said, but like, do you really? Do you really want to like take that back? Because don't you want to know? It's, right. Remember, it's it's better to know something that you don't want to know than to live in in like a painful not knowing, a painful ignorance. You know, absolutely. You, you wanted to know, period, and now you now you know something that you didn't want to know, but it, that's that knowing is better, mm-hmm. even if it sucks. That's
1: right. It's like checking your bank account. <laughs>
0: And you know what? Using that analogy, I learned once um, that the best way you can get a hold of your fine—I mean, a hold of your finances, whatever the fuck that means—in a world of capitalism is to look at your bank account every day, and yep. that can be one of the hardest, most anxiety-inducing tasks. But if you look at it every day, then at least you know what's in there, what's coming out, what's going in, and you're aware. Instead of instead of avoiding looking at it and just letting that anxiety build up, the same thing of the relationship, right? Mm-hmm. You let this go for three months, be- hoping that maybe he would say something, hoping that enough money would show up, hoping that the bills get paid, hoping that he commits to you. But now that you've said it, now that you looked at the bank account and... There's a deficit or an overdraft fee and you're like, fuck, what do I do with this? It's if you if you go away from looking, it's not going to take that overdraft fee away. I love when we go on these fucking weird ass metaphor tangents.
1: No. And what's great about this metaphor is that also I can't wait. (laughs) (laughs) What's great about looking at your bank account every day is that then you can make really informed decisions about what Ah. you want to do with that bank account. Right. Oh, yeah. So instead of just not looking and spending frivolously, instead saying like, whoa, I only have 40 bucks in my account until I get paid in seven days. Mm -hmm. So now I need to like spend three less than (laughs) this math is going to be so wrong. I need to spend less (laughs) than like eight dollars a day. Less than 20. (laughs) Uh, Right. Like, you know, do the thing. Uh And I think that that's true of this relationship too, right? Like you've suddenly looked at the bank account and realized like, Oh wow, I have an overdraft and I didn't realize it. But the good news is, is that now, you know, so now you can make informed decisions about what you want to do about it.
0: Yeah. And I don't want to, I want to clarify something in our weird metaphor. I don't necessarily, I'm not like, fuck this guy. Primarily because I I don't know what this family situation thing that you reference is. Sure. Um, and we all have bad reactions to things. Sometimes we all like, this is not my choice of communication style, but I'm not, I don't necessarily. It's not your
1: choice to freeze up and not talk to someone ever again. <laughs>
0: No, um, <laughs> do you know nothing about me? Just kidding. I, I could talk to somebody I hate for the next three years of my life. That's, that's, that's the type of over communicator I am. Um, but so, well, don't get me wrong. I do think it's shitty that the little, the freeze up stonewall thing happened or the no contact thing has happened. I think that that's like a pretty immature route to take, but, but I mean, Hey, it takes two people to pick up a phone call, you know? hmm or to make a phone call. Um and but I do want to say like in this dude's defense, um he might have been frustrated with your choice of timing and that's okay. What I the point I want to make here isn't that you should feel bad, it's that you did something, you re, you responded you looked at that bank account. You asked something that you wanted to know, and maybe you you could have done it at a better time. But you couldn't have done it at a better time because we can't take back the past. Uh-huh. Um, and there's nothing wrong in asking. And if you made if you made a mistake in asking at a bad time, that that is okay. That's very human, and that can be solved by just. Uh, and here's where I want to know what Sam's opinion is. I think you could just reach out and send a message and say, "Hey." I've been thinking about you. I'm really sorry. I reached out at a bad time um, when I when I asked you what we were earlier this week or whatever. Um, I I want to know that answer. I, I I wanted to know genuinely, but I'm sorry if I made it uncomfortable with the timing of my question. Let me know if you want to talk about our relationship uh, in the future or something like that. Do you Yeah. Agree?
1: Um, yeah, I think that reaching out, I'm not going to say no to reaching out. I think that you absolutely can do that. I would love to see, um, and here's why I hate the, what are we question is because it's so passive. (laughs) Yeah. It is always like, tell me what we are like to the other person as if the other person has all of the control in the relationship. Oh my God. Take us to church, Sam Blackwell. (laughs) Yeah. And so what I like, no, you could like, what do you think you are? a yes. plant mom like what do you because, how are you defining this relationship and, and then, let me
0: add to that plant mom mm-hmm. used the word partner so what do you, what do you think you have do you think you have a 3 month isolation ship with a partner and that's what you want to pursue because that's what you could say too is like i'm sorry for the timing of this question but it felt like we were dating and i just want to establish some i wanted to establish that if we are and if not maybe i'm going to put my energy elsewhere
1: yeah, to say like, listen, this is where I see us going, this is where I see us being. Are you on the same page with me? Is this a shared thing that we are working towards or not? Instead of saying, yeah. like, what's happening? Like you you are also in a relationship with this person. He is not yeah. the only person who gets to decide who you are to him and what <laughs> like what you are together, right? Like yeah. you get to you get to make some claims to that too. And so I appreciate the reaching out thing that Sierra said, but I would say like um, hey listen I'm sorry that I, I asked this question at this time I know that you're in a lot of stress it's important for me for us to be on the same page I've been operating under the assumption that you and I are going towards are moving towards a committed lasting relationship and would love to pursue that with you is this something that you're on board with or what are your perspe- what is your perspective on that? Right. And then and not just saying like, um, can we talk about this at some point? Like, be like, mm-hmm. we're going to talk about this or we're going to break up. Like, those yeah. are the two options here. Yeah.
0: One of the reasons I le- was leaning towards this letter was the qu- the question at the end of the letter, which is what do you do when the what are we talk goes terribly wrong? Because it made it reminded me of like sex in the city of like, oh, my God, Carrie's like, I asked I don't know, Tyler, whatever fling she is dating at this time, w- what we are, and he's shut down. And I'm like, oh my God, did I do something wrong? Like, it sounds like a sitcom to me. And that's not like a dig to you, plant mom. <laughs> I mean, it's it's more like what what we, the mental gymnastics we put ourselves through when we ask for what we want and get a negative or an unwanted response. It's the first thing we do is like, oh my God, how could I do that differently? And I'm not saying that we aren't accountable to being better. We all can be better. Like maybe there could have been a better time of this conversation, but I want to decriminalizing DTRing, like determining the relationship or decriminalize the idea of um, asking what's going on because you're not like, I don't know. You're not like really morally hurting someone by asking what two people are doing in a situation ship.
1: Yeah. And I think sometimes our, our reaction to when we get a response that we don't want is to assume that we just ask the question wrong. <laughs> when yeah, in reality, so we did something
0: wrong by asking. Yeah, yeah. When we're
1: in reality, we just, we didn't get the answer we wanted. Right. And right. I think who knows, like you could have asked him at right after you fed him a piece of cake and he probably would have had the same response, right? Like I, the reality is, is that like.
0: I love that you're like, <laughs> you're like family emergency cake is the scale of like good to bad things. Yeah. Like
1: the, the, the five seconds after you eat the cake before the stomachache starts, that's like the best. Oh, yeah,
0: <laughs> It's like when I scratch my poison ivy. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. And I, th- but I think sometimes we just need to acknowledge the fact that like, um, either we didn't get the response that we wanted and we're focusing more on how we asked it rather than dealing with the fact we didn't get the response that we wanted. Mm-hmm. And also recognize that, like, even if we could have asked it differently, we didn't. And the and that's just how the cookie and crumbles sometimes.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but to the future of this relationship, plant mom, I think you just need to uh, take some ownership over this relationship. You need to... Uh, don't tiptoe around asking, not just asking for what you want. Like I, I want to like reiterate that, like, I don't necessarily think that this dude is a bad dude for, for balking, you know, like we all react poorly sometimes. Um, Maybe this just isn't what he wants and he's not communicating. Mm -hmm. Maybe he could want something, but he's really stressed out and he was turned off by that interaction or whatever. But, like, I want you to claim your agency in this because, as Sam always likes to say, you are an active uh, player in your life. Mm -hmm. You need to, if you want a relationship with somebody, it's not just gonna always happen. It's gonna be something that you have to cultivate, that you nurture, and that you articulate your desires for. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I want you to claim it. I want you to, or I want you to be like, hey, I'm sorry I reached out to you at a bad time. I've really enjoyed your company. I hope you have a good summer. <laughs> Hags. Yeah. <laughs> you know?
1: I'm into it. That's great. I think I think, <laughs> I think, I think, I think we nailed it. I
0: think that's it, right? <laughs> All right, plant mom. Um, we hope that helps.
1: We do. We, we love want you. you to
0: get some clarity. Thanks yeah. for writing.
1: Did you know that nearly 75% of people have subscriptions that they've forgotten about? I will tell you that I 100% am in that 75% of people. Before I started using Rocket Money, I thought I had maybe, I don't know, 15 subscriptions, um, but I couldn't believe it when actually I had way more than the, that. And it was things that I both had forgotten about and not forgotten about, but like seeing it all in one place was a real sort of amazing moments of clarity for me from streaming. Streaming services and fitness apps and delivery services like everyone's trying to sell you a subscription now and rocket money is great because it helps make sure that you're no longer wasting money on the ones that you forgot about
0: rocket money is a personal finance app that helps find and cancel your unwanted subscriptions monitors your spending and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings with rocket money I have full control over my subscriptions and a clear view of my expenses I can see all of my subscriptions in one place and if I see Something I don't want, Rocket Money can help me cancel it with just a few taps. I love how the dashboard helps me see this month's spending compared to last month so I can clearly see my spending habits. It is humbling <laughs> <laughs> and incredibly helpful. Uh-huh. And They'll also help me create a custom budget and keep my spending on track.
1: Rocket Money will even try to negotiate lower bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with customer service for you. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in cancel subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting Money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to RocketMoney.com/slash Just Break Up.
0: That's RocketMoney.com/slash Just Break Up. RocketMoney.com/slash Just Break Up. All right. The next letter is from Kyle, who is writing to us from Northampton, Massachusetts. Hi, you too. I have a messy and weird and quite painful st- story to share. Sarah, she, her, 27, and I, he, him, 27, dated for about 12 years from the age of 14 to 26. We were a rock solid foundation for each other. After lots of time long distance, we were eager to move in together three years ago. I was pursuing a PhD in a fun college town, and she started an HR job nearby. We even got a one-eyed cat who I loved more than anything I thought possible, a beautiful apartment, and we settled into a lovely life. Sarah blended seamlessly into my friend group and became quite close to my closest friend, Danielle, she, her, who I met in grad school. Danielle and I have been incredibly close since meeting, and we had one of the most meaningful friendships in my life. When Danielle started dating her boyfriend, Ben, he, him, we all became very close. Danielle and Ben are... Both wonderful people who I love and trust more than anyone. And we even went on yearly vacations together, weekly hangs, trivia, etc. Happily ever after, right? Well... Over the course of my graduate studies, I became severely depressed and anxious. They're not kidding around about grad school kids. It'll get to you. I withdrew into myself and developed an eating disorder that I later learned is a form of bulimia. Last summer, I started seeing a therapist to work through these issues, partly because the effect that my mental illness had on Sarah, who seemed overwhelmed at the extent of my depression. I made lots of progress, got the disordered eating under control, and was working through the depression in therapy. Fast forward to January, Sarah sat me down out of the blue and told me she had been deeply unhappy because of my unhappiness. She's been hiding these feelings from me because she thought I couldn't handle it, but she felt neglected and alone, especially when I internalized all of my problems and she felt I was no longer there for her. The other part of this, my big mistake, is that Sarah wanted a wedding. We had talked about it and I liked the idea of a wedding, but had hangups about marriage and I dragged my feet and postponed, which ate at her. I regret the pain I caused her very much, but never doubted that we'd be m- married eventually. Although I later learned that at the time she thought I simply didn't want to marry her. So when she first described her feelings, I didn't think we were breaking up. She never said that we were. She comforted each other, cuddled on the couch, and cried together. It felt like the sort of thing you would work through. That changed the next night. I asked if she had had anyone to help her feel less alone. I expected her to name a friend or a cousin. Then she admitted she had been cheating for several months with a coworker, and that it was not just physical. I made the mistake of asking for details. She basically described a relationship. Lunch dates that turned sexual, the two of them bonding over being unhappy in their relationship, her comforting him through his divorce, and her hopes for a future with this guy. In her words, a quote that will never leave me. She said she was attracted to him because he was happy, and her boyfriend wasn't. Oof. I was obviously crushed, not only by the infidelity, but by Sarah's not Sarah not disclosing it sooner. It opened a wound that s- still hasn't closed and seriously shredded my sense of self-trust and love. Sarah and I took a week apart, no contact, to decide if we would break up. At the end of that week, I learned that Sarah had been seeing and hooking up with that other guy while we were deciding whether to break up. She justified it by saying she thought we were just delaying the inevitable. And when I asked why she'd still go on a lunch date with that other guy, her excuse, which convinced me that the relationship was dead, was, well, I have to eat, don't I? Sarah kept the apartment, and after a slog of a fight, the cat, who I miss every day. We haven't really talked since. Neither of us have reached out, and I spent quarantine in a new apartment across town. So here is my problem now. Danielle and Ben have remained close to Sarah, as I assumed they would. I would never ask them not to be friends, but I can't hide how uncomfortable it makes me. Danielle, to this day, has never asked me about the breakup, and she never seemed upset or disappointed or even perturbed by Sarah's cheating. It was as if my best friend didn't want to talk about the thing I found most painful at the time, and she just wanted to pretend I'd never been dating Sarah. I found it bizarre. I decided to finally talk to her about the whole situation, to ask if she had any feelings about our breakup, and to basically understand how she could be so aloof to the situation. I explained that I'd never ask her and Sarah not to be friends, but I wanted to explain how I still felt hurt by Sarah's actions. Danielle then told me things that I still can't understand. She told me that she and Ben were going out with Sarah and her other guy as couples, When I told her that I found this to be a a form of betrayal, Danielle insisted that it wasn't and told me that she believes that Sarah's affair wasn't even, quote, real cheating because it was more than just physical. Danielle refuses to even use the word cheating and will only say that Sarah, quote, caught feelings for someone else. She feels happy for Sarah and her new relationship and wanted to get to know the other guy because he meant so much to her. This rattled me deeply. It's crazy to say, but that conversation felt like getting on, cheated on again. How could Danielle endorse and support and feel joy over the event that caused me so much pain? I understand that it's not her problem, but it still feels so, so strange. It may be petty, but I just feel so replaced. First by Sarah and now by my closest friends. These were the people I loved most deeply. I told Danielle this and she insisted she wanted to work through it with me. So I told Ben and Danielle independently every angle of my feelings, all of the vulnerable, intimate truths I could give, that I felt replaced, that I was humiliated by this, that if the tables were turned, I couldn't imagine trying to be impartial in the way they claimed to be. I felt like I had to convince them to feel some sort of anger on my behalf, and it felt urgent to me in a way that I can't explain, like I was trying to assert that I had a reason to be upset about being cheated on at all. I suppose it became overwhelming because in response, Danielle stopped talking to me. She said that she needed a, quote, temporary break from our friendship. I told her that I'd wait for her to reach out back out. This was over a month ago. As I write this, the four of them, new guy included, are on a vacation that Sarah, Danielle, Ben and I took every year. Other friends have been so wonderful, but Ben, Sarah and Danielle were the people I were closest to. I now feel so extraordinarily alone and I can't help but feel like a monster here? Did I ask Danielle for too much? How hurt am I allowed to be here? How do I get over this heaping pile of resentment? Is the friendship doomed? Do I just need to get over myself? What in the world do I do if Danielle and Ben, who I still love dearly, ever reach back out? And I still miss my fucking cat. <laughs> oh, Sincerely, Kyle.
1: Uh, uh, Kyle, me with that cat. was a
0: long... <laughs> painful letter um but an important one I feel I feel for you Kyle this is a terrible painful very 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 human um heartbreak that you have found yourself in
1: absolutely I like I read this letter and then thought about the cat for like three weeks afterwards so
0: (laughs) Oh my God. I mean, I, I had a pet in a separation and I'm so glad that I got the pet, you know? Oh no, me too. Um,
1: I read that and was like, I didn't give Todd a hug and was like, thank God I got you.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, And that is not to rub um, our pets in the, your face. Uh, Mine eventually died of cancer. So (laughs) (laughs) sorry, Uh, I had to make that really dark joke. Um, But it is to say that Sam and I feel for your pain not only the infidelity not only the betrayal of your friends but that um you really had your life turned upside down and it feels as though your life is out there walking around without you mm. that it's going on without you and that you're just a bystander now that not only is this new person in your relationship going on your vacations hanging out with your friends but your cat is sitting on a couch somewhere without you you know like um, I, I I get a great sense of displacement from this letter um, and it must be very hard to carry that around in your heart. So first and foremost, f- foremost I just want to say, um, I think that sometimes when we're hurting so much, it can be really beneficial to hear someone else say, wow, you're carrying a lot right now. You're grieving a lot right now. Your heart must be so tired from all that it's holding mm. um, all that hurts. And so I just want to see that and say it and, um, and say, I'm really sorry for this pain that you're experiencing right now. I know it must be really deep because it's also, uh, you know, like I edited that letter down a little for time, but not a lot. It was still a long letter because I kept a lot of it be- because I felt like it was important to clarify that it's obvious that you have a lot of love and respect for these friends. Mm. You even have Le- like leftover love for this partner and this life that you had. But most importantly, it's not that you don't, it's not that you want to break up with these friends. You feel deeply betrayed by them all and don't know what to do with all this leftover love.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and, yeah, no. And I, um, I can imagine how frustrating it is to feel like, like you said in this letter, like it feels like you have to convince them that they should feel bad yes. that this thing happened to you. Um, hmm. And I will say like, I, I deeply understand that feeling, Um, as a person who has gone through a huge thing that caused me significant amounts of grief, uh, which Mm -hmm. is that my father died very unexpectedly. Um, there were periods of times afterwards when I would just like, think like, how do people not remember that my dad is Mm. dead, right? Like how do people, Mm -hmm. how do people expect me to show up right now? when my dad is dead, like, does no one mm-hmm. care? I don't understand. Like, do people think that I'm just like not allowed to grieve anymore? Like I don't. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it was so isolating to feel that way. And it was so hard to watch other people just like go through their life and have expectations of me and have their own understanding of my grief. That was not mm-hmm. in line with my grief. Um, And it was so, it was just so isolating. So like, I feel like isolating the theme of this, this episode. Um, So I just want you to know, um, Kyle, that like, I see you there. I don't know. I don't know fully the pain and grief that you're going through right now because I am not you and I don't, I can't ever feel it. But I want you to know that like that feeling of why are people expecting me to grieve differently than I'm grieving is so real And at the end of the day, no one gets to determine how and why and where and in what way you grieve, right? Like only you get to determine that. And the fact that Danielle doesn't see it sucks. It fucking sucks. And I, I wish that she could understand what you're going through with more empathy. And also the fact that she can't see what you're going through doesn't make what you're going through any less real.
0: I totally agree. And the reason why I used the word human earlier is that I feel like it is the most human urge to have people see and understand our pain. There's nothing, it's like one thing hurts us, but what will hurt us most is people not understanding why it hurts. Like it's like mm. a, it, it's like stabs the sword of de- betrayal either, even deeper into us um, when we feel like we have to explain it. Um, and I think that we, again, that's such a human instinct because we want to be seen. We want to be understood. And because it is our brain's instinct to assume like the, the way we process and understand the world will be universal. Like it's just our, it's our egos uh, even if we're the most selfless people. Um, When the outside world contradicts with what our internal world says to us, it drives us mad. So it's not only are you grieving this relationship and grieving this deep infidelity and this disruption of the life that you were living, your best, most cherished, cherished friend is not reflecting the reality that you're experiencing right now. She is not mirroring this experience to you or respecting your, your experience of it to, 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 in a way that makes you feel seen and loved and respected, and so it's it's adding this level of in, of almost insanity, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, how, why is my why are my all of these realities so conflicting right now?
1: Absolutely, so, and I think that um, you know, talking about how it's a very human thing to want to be seen, it is also a very human thing to turn away from other people's pain and to pretend oh like God, it's not happening. So <laughs> real,
0: so real, absolutely. Um, And that requires like a deep (laughs) like because you're hurting so much, I almost don't even want to talk about it. But because we are committed to this head and heart work bullshit, we have to say that your dear friend Danielle is doing the best that she can right now. And it's obvious that her best is inadequate to you, but her best might be her best for several reasons, right? She might feel deeply uncomfortable with All of the pain that you're carrying right now, Mm -hmm. she might be incapable of nurturing you in the I mean, it's obvious it's not she might be it's it's that she is incapable (sighs) of nurturing you to the extent that you need right now, or even worse, even more bluntly. She doesn't want to. Mm. She doesn't want to deal with this pain. And that also, just like Sam said, is unfortunately incredibly human, that we fear discomfort more than anything else. And we fear nuance and complexities. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing more complicated than two friends, one of them being cheated on and trying to figure out what your your friendship (laughs) is afterwards. Absolutely. So it's much more, it's easier. Honestly, it's easier to to dilute it down to just one friendship or to like clock in and out of, of the, you know, clock out of the participation uh, of the, excuse me, clock out of the conversations you don't want to participate in.
1: Absolutely. Which even if it's understandable, doesn't mean that it doesn't suck. Um,
0: It sucks so hard. Right.
1: And I read this letter and was like, um, I don't even know what advice to give except to just say, to see you right. We love you yes. and to see your pain and to, to affirm for you that the grief that you're feeling over this relationship, this, this feeling of not knowing uh, what is real because you've been cheated on and people are telling you that cheating wasn't cheating is a hundred percent real. Um, and there's just so the only way I think that you're going to be able to get through this and process through this is by beginning to trust that what you are feeling, what you have experienced is 100% real, and that it doesn't matter what other people say it is, it is 100% real to you. And by, by grounding yourself in that fact of knowing, I was cheated on, it was awful, it was a horrible thing that happened, I don't need to make excuses for anyone else, I just need to sit in this and feel it and know that I have the right to feel hurt by this. Yes that begins to allow us to move towards healing, right? That begins to to allow us to move towards forgiveness, right? Sierra and I can give an understanding of why your friend Danielle is doing all of this shit that she's doing, but it's going to be really hard to move towards understanding her without deeply understanding yourself first and knowing that what you are going through doesn't require Danielle to see it for it to be real.
0: Yeah, I'm so glad you said that because that was that was another thought that I had floating around while you were talking. Is that like we have this deep urge to be seen and understood and comforted, and other people seeing us and comforting us makes it feel better, makes us feel less alone. Mm-hmm. But Danielle's presence and nurturing and understanding in your life wouldn't make this hurt go away. Um, it does, and like what Sam said, it doesn't make what you're experiencing any less real. Mm-hmm. I agree with Sam's sentiment too. Of like the number one thing I think we want to leave you with is feeling loved and seen, and and our our condolences for this for this very hard time. And I also want to say um, that this has been the path that your life has been on for quite some time, but you have so much life and opportunity ahead of you. I don't want to sound like a Hallmark card when I say, (laughs) okay, so this door was closed and there's another door or whatever. Um, But it's obvious that this relationship and these friendships have defined your life so far, But but just because we lose the things that defined us doesn't make us meaningless, doesn't, lessen our value it might make us feel lost but we aren't lost because we all have inherent belonging within us Mm -hmm. you don't belong to these friendships you're not defined by these relationships you you belong to yourself Mm -hmm. you are defined by how you treat other people and how you treat yourself how you move through this world and how you lean into this discomfort and welcome it into your life Mm -hmm. because guess what my darling my darling kyle this is not the last time that you are going to be deeply betrayed by your understanding of the world oh absolutely Um, yeah and and that's that might be like you know gallows humor (laughs) or like i should say a gallows comfort but um but that you can you can kind of take not solace but you can you can say you know what this really sucks um but i know that there is that there are good relationships out here even even with danielle right even the the good and the love and the respect that you have for her that means you are capable of experiencing it with someone else. And it doesn't even take away the good that you had in Danielle. I think another thing that's so human about this letter is that we feel so conflicted when the love we hold for someone doesn't match their treatment of us. Mm -hmm. You know, like when we're like, well, I love and respect them so deeply. I hold them to such a high, um, uh, on a pedestal, but they're treating me so low, like, like, like a, Poorly, you Mm -hmm. know, Um, but I want to just remind you, Kyle, that like, it doesn't, this might change your relationship forever, but it doesn't take away the good times that you had. Mm. Um, It doesn't, you weren't a fool for spending, for, for dedicating your life to these relationships, for, for, for holding these relationships in such as high esteem. You were just being a good friend with an open heart, um, moving through the world as we all do. But maybe, maybe now is the time to, um, to recognize that while those good times still exist, it this might not be the safest relationship to put your energy into.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's like a,
0: I don't know. Again, it's like a hallmark card band aid over like a gaping wound. You know, for sure. But it's true. Sadly,
1: it is. And I think you know what I what gave me hope for. for this situation was that you said that other friends have been wonderful and I, Mm. and I wonder what it would look like to devote more time and commitment to those other friendships who are, who are actually providing you solace and support right now and spend less time trying to convince Danielle that the pain that you're feeling is real. Um, because that is where the more nutritious love is going to come from, right? It's not going to come from someone who is insisting on on not believing you or insisting on retelling your story in a way that doesn't ring true for you. Um, So where are the places that you can focus your energy that are actually going to give you something back? And right now it's not Danielle. And, and that's sad. Like that's, that's a hard thing to say to give up on a friendship like this, but it doesn't have to be forever, right? There can always become a time when you can, when you can get back to a place with Danielle where it feels comfortable. But right now, you don't have to worry about that right now. You need to focus right. on yourself, maintaining your sanity, maintaining your health. Right. And you can't do that right now while also giving all of this time and attention to someone who doesn't want to see you in the way that you need to be seen right now.
0: Yeah. And the last thing I'll say, my darling, is that it's never going to make sense. You're going <laughs> to want this to to be. Yeah, that's real you know what I mean? You're going to want this to like come to like a natural conclusion, or you're going to want it to make sense because Danielle has things going on in her life or whatever. But like it the, some of these sort of big life betrayals where we realize that we don't have the control we thought or that, or that, um, you know, our realities are really devastated <laughs> or rocked. Our worlds are rocked, right? We want it to be like, well, It's because of X, Y, and Z, Mm -hmm. but sometimes it just doesn't make sense. And so I want you to just, this is kind of echoing what Sam was just saying. Don't seek answers in something that is unanswerable. Mm. Seek healing and growth and comfort for yourself. That is the only thing right now that can truly bring you comfort because no matter how many times you try to figure out why Danielle wasn't a good friend to you when you really needed her you're not going to find the answers that bring you any sort of healing. Absolutely. Kyle, we fucking love you (laughs) and your friends love you too. Your friends love you too, but in ways that like all other humans on earth are um, insufficient Mm -hmm. (laughs) period. We we are all insufficient in a way. Um, But Sam and I love you. We really feel for you and we hope that you feel less alone upon hearing this.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for writing. Our next letter comes from a very confused college student who is writing from (laughs) Washington. Hi, Sam and Sierra. I am 21 years old, and after six years of dating men, I have finally come to terms with the fact that I'm gay. This realization has come after a lot of reflection during quarantine, and I am so beyond a doubt sure of it that I don't think I've ever even been remotely attracted to men. The issue is that I was so convinced that I had to be straight that I never allowed myself to consider what I might not be, and as a result, I have slept with and or dated a lot of men. I think this was partially a subconscious attempt at proving my worth as a sexually attractive woman and partially a misplaced attempt at fulfilling my need for love and validation from a partner." In total, I have slept with 11 guys, most of whom I was casually dating or in a relationship that, with the exception of my high school boyfriend, would usually last no more than three months. This may not seem like that many, but it is more than most of my straight friends, and I can't help but hate myself knowing that I was uncomfortable in most of these situations. Time and time again, I would sleep with the guys sooner than I was comfortable with because it felt like I was expected to, and I didn't know how to assert my own boundaries, I found myself thinking that emotional intimacy takes time to develop and that eventually I would get comfortable with sleeping with the guy I was seeing. But while sex could sometimes be physically pleasurable, I always felt vaguely uncomfortable in a way that I wasn't quite able to articulate on the flip side. Let's just say that I had, I've had quite a few intense quote friendships with female friends and I've never felt as safer, as comfortable with men as I have with them I'm finally going to cut the BS and stop dating men, but I'm dealing with so much shame around the number of people I've slept with, knowing that I wasn't being true to myself or upholding my boundaries. I wish there were a way for me to feel empowered or somewhat positive about my past, but the truth is I wish I hadn't slept with any of them, and I don't really know what to do with that feeling. Sincerely, a very confused college student.
0: Okay, my darling, very confused college student who is newly gay. First of all, welcome to the long, lifelong commitment of becoming yourself, and mm. welcome to the hallowed ranks of the queers.
1: <laughs> <laughs> We're way more fun than the straights. Just getting straight to you. That's not true.
0: That's not true. Um. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna like just out the bat, straight out the gate, sort of things. Um. That there, you say, I wish there was a way for me to feel more empowered or somewhat positive about my past. Let me tell you, you needed that past, no matter how, no no matter how uncomfortable it makes you now, um, no matter like how much you felt like you betrayed yourself. Unfortunately, like you needed that past to get to where you are now period. I, I relate so deeply to this letter because I, I relate to intimacy in the same way. I relate to my sexual history in the same way where I feel like a lot of like, wow, was that really necessary Sierra circa 1999? <laughs> no, just kidding. I was like 12 then. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I so I feel akin to you in, in a way, but the the way to start looking at this in a self empowering way is to switch the narrative in your head. Number Mm. one, drop any shame about a number because the number of people you sleep with has literally nothing to do with the quality of the human you are. It's not shameful. There's nothing dirty about it. It's literally just choices that you made in your life that have to do with your genitals. I don't (laughs) think we would feel the same shame about like the number of cars I've ridden in or the number of couches I've slept on or the number of strangers I've spoken to. We Mm. just feel this intense, deep, level of shame about the number of people we slept with because because for some reason even though we're given no instruction manual other than like don't have sex until marriage or else you're a sinful little baby um sinful little baby <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are expected to be able to make great sexual choices for ourselves at all times without having any sexual experiences like, how the fuck was I supposed to know what to do at 14, 15, 16 when I started to, like, make out with people? That How how was I supposed to know that, like, I wouldn't enjoy any of that other than exploring <laughs> it, you know? That's right. And so just like drop number one, like cut the shame about the number. The number doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what your friend's numbers are. It doesn't matter what a stranger's numbers is. Like that number does not matter. doesn't matter. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It literally doesn't matter because it has no, um, onus or power on who you are right now. And that goes for relationships too. I know some people feel insecure about how many people they slept with versus their partner or vice versa. Like maybe your partner has a way bigger number than you do, but it, Everybody has a history. Everybody has a history. Everybody has a past. And you cannot date someone without a history. That history might look different than yours. But that sexual number means nothing. And I just want to like... I I, I had this realization when I was 20 fucking eight. I was sitting in like a feminist class, honestly. We Uh were like studying like sex and pop culture. And I just... I like had this like ding light bulb pop over my head or like maybe my vulva and it was like the number of people you sleep with have, has it doesn't matter like they're not with you <laughs> it they're not with you anymore i i always felt this sense of like i was dragging this like weird cloak of sexual <laughs> corpses around with me
1: <laughs> that's right because every I, time that's that's that you have told. sex with someone yeah you like have to their carry their corpse with you yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's like
0: um and But then all of a sudden I was like, oh, my God, they're not there. And instantly, my darling confused college student, they were gone. So the empowerment comes from telling yourself that this shit doesn't matter. That being said, I know I know the deep angst that comes with like having sex and not liking it or having a Mm. sexual experience and sort of betraying yourself because you just do it because of you want to feel desired or you do it because of heteronormativity or you do it for whatever fucking reason. I know that angst and I know the self-loathing that comes with it. But similarly, the same healing or the, the same self-empowerment comes from the same thread of telling yourself that those choices that I, I was doing the best that I could at that time, I was doing, I was making the best decisions I could for myself. And thank God Thank God I know how to make a better decision for myself. Think like, like now, isn't it great that I know myself more now? Isn't it great that I'll never betray myself like that again? Spoiler alert, you will, because we all, it all, we're all becoming all the time, right? And we, Mm -hmm. and we figure out our boundaries by overstepping them, really. Um, But, it's great now that isn't it great and celebratory that you know yourself now and that you're not going to betray yourself again. I think that we often forget when we're trying, when we're looking back on our past or we're trying to grow, we forget that, that we can make ourselves like a victim to our own, like understanding our mistakes, we, it makes us loathe ourselves more instead of saying, wow, look at all this growth that I'm doing. Look at all this understanding that I have now. We're, we're, the first thing we do is, is think, hard, like, think poorly of ourselves. The first thing we do is say like, God, I'm such an asshole. Like, why didn't I know better? Instead of being like, oh, cool. Like I'm really growing and learning right now. Look mm-hmm. at how far I've come. And <laughs>
1: No, I think that's great. And I think that piece around um, us not knowing anything about not being taught anything healthy about sex the and then being what like, I know what to do. <laughs> right. But then I also think about, you know, we live in a society where there's like compulsory heterosexuality, right? Like everyone right. is assumed at all times to be heterosexual unless otherwise stated, And so, like, why would we ever think that there is a world out there for us that isn't heterosexuality unless we have been able to try it out in so many ways and realize it isn't for us, right? Like, I dated a girl all through high school, and when I didn't want to touch her boobs, I was like, maybe something's not right here.
0: (laughs) (laughs) How dare I, you know, fake my way through my teen years um, while my frontal lobe was still developing?
1: Right. Absolutely. And so I think um, I just want you to cut yourself a little slack, um, my college student friends, and say um, this is what queer people go through to get Mm. to an understanding of their queerness. Like some of us. Go ahead. No, no, no. Some of us are fortunate enough or whatever, not even fortunate enough. Some of us figure it out early on and some of us have to go through a number of things and be like, this doesn't feel right before we're ready totally. for the thing. That's like, Oh yeah, this feels much more right.
0: Oh, this feels right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say too, is that, um, I don't even, I think that it is important to say, um, this is a, this is a uniquely queer experience, but I, I, but and also this is a human experience, right, that we um, again, we're supposed to go through the through these romantic or physical entanglements and know what to do. And then when we do something wrong, like asking what the hell we're doing or trying to determine the relationship or or realizing that you don't like sex with men the first thing we do is think, like, "Oh, why did I do that? Why am I so st- stupid for not knowing everything about myself in the first sixteen years of living? Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't yeah, even no. like fully understand electricity until like last year, so <laughs> I'm trying to cut myself some slack.
1: <laughs> no, and I think that um I also think that that like implies this, this idea of like a fixed point of who we are too exactly. Right? Like, like, oh, I am a, a gay man who likes this type of sex and therefore I should have known that I am a gay man who likes this type of sex and also I have no ability to become anything besides a gay man who likes this type of sex, right? Right. Like, it implies this idea of, like, we we are working towards this goal of we are firmly placed an understanding of ourselves within a in a specific understanding of ourselves. Yeah. But what is... But we are always constantly growing and learning, even though I have been having sex with people for whatever, 16 years or whatever, doesn't mean that I have like doesn't mean that I have like come into my understanding of myself. Mm -hmm. It means that I am constantly just learning about my body, my -hmm. relationship in with other people in my body. And that's great. So like the person that I was at 16 who was fumbling through sex for the first time is the same person I am now. I am still yes. fumbling through sex all the time, right? Like, yes. We are still constantly learning and growing. And so like faulting my 16 year old self for not knowing what to do when he got the penis in his hand is like, yeah, sometimes <laughs> even as a 32 year old, I'm a little confused. Like, what do I do with this now? I don't quite understand. Stick em with the
0: pointy end. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, right? I've been rereading Game of
1: Thrones. <laughs> So I want to like I want you to sit, I want you to not look at your past self with with sort of derision. I want you to look at your present self and be like, "Wow, I still have so much more to learn and grow yeah. into and that's so exciting because That is what it means to be human. That is what it means to walk through this world, trying to be in better relationship with myself and others. And that's all that we can ask for.
0: Yeah. I want to add one more thing too, is that because I so deeply relate not only to this, the content of this letter, but the language, um, like you use the word like betraying yourself. Um, Mm. uh, and the, and the shame that you articulate about looking back on this, these past betrayals, I, I resonate so deeply with that. Um, and I want to, just as like your older queer cousin, I want to give you a little like nod or a heads up that like <laughs> that discomfort we feel when we look back on our past can only serve us for so far mm-hmm. Um I do think that a certain amount of discomfort when we look back on our past can be a teacher. It can help us hold ourselves accountable to the person we want to be. But what I want to heed right now, or what I want to like prevent, is that I don't want, for example, in the next couple of years, you could sleep with another man and you could. <gasps> what? <laughs> I know. And you could enjoy it, or you could find it equally or even more unpleasurable. Mm. And I don't want you to get into a shame spiral about, oh my God, I can't believe I betrayed myself again. It's okay to be like, wow, I don't think I wanted to do that. What lessons can I learn from this discomfort? But I I, I just want to say that like there has to be a healthy balance when we look back on our path and we're learning from it. There has to be a healthy balance of accountability and gentleness that like we're allowed to make mistakes period. Mm-hmm. We don't get to a point in our life where we stop making them and we don't get to a point in our life ever where we stop trying to figure this thing called life out or figure this thing of our body out. Right. And, you know, some folks feel very firm in their sexuality. They feel as though they are either one or they're, it's a binary, you know, that they're wholly straight or they're wholly gay. And it sounds like right now you're like, I'm gay all the way on the Kinsey scale, you know, but I just want to say that like, if that ever falters, that doesn't mean that you're betraying yourself. It just means that you're human having a human experience mm-hmm. um, and you can be wholly gay, a hundred percent. Um, And still sleep with men and still be disappointed by them. Let me tell (laughs) you.
1: Absolutely. And you know what? I think that this feeling of like, wow, I was disappointed by sex, the sex that I had, and therefore like that somehow speaks poorly of me is such a like weird sex negative patriarchy thing to say. Because like if I eat a piece of cheesecake and I'm like that cheesecake didn't really do it for me. I don't think, wow, I really fucked up there. I ordered the wrong cheesecake, and like I should have known better than that cheesecake. It's I like no. <laughs> yeah, I will never
0: betray my stomach again. I will never betray
1: myself and order that cheesecake again. No, it's like you try to think. You know
0: you're going to order that cheesecake again. No,
1: absolutely, I'm going <laughs> to order that cheesecake. Are you kidding? Uh, no, but it's like. So why do we hold ourselves to these weird standards when it comes to sex instead of saying like, wow, that's a good thing that I learned that I don't like that type of cheesecake. But, you know, maybe in a couple of years, I'll try it again and see how it goes. Instead, it's like, wow, I've done some sort of damage to myself because I had sex with someone and it was like mediocre. Like,
0: It's like the first question that we answered today. It's like our brains are so hardwired to be like, if we get a response we didn't like. Or, or was the antithesis of what we were looking for, we did it wrong or we shouldn't have done it, right? Mm-hmm. Confused college student, you you might regret having sex with those guys, but like you did it. You did it. They were just a choice and you did it. And there's literally nothing wrong with those choices.
1: Mm-mm. There's stuff you can learn from it and there's stuff that you can de- decide not to learn from it. Like It's just, I, yeah. it is what wanna, it is. Like,
0: I don't want to, like, take away your sense of empowerment that you're feeling over this clarity, but Mm -hmm. as somebody who regretted, like, all of the sex she had for, like, the first 10 years of her sexual (laughs) life, I realized at some point in my life, I have to stop regretting it. (laughs) At some Mm -hmm. point in my life, I just have to be like, well, that was it. And it literally... Those those sexual ghost ghost corpses are not with me anymore because I'm choosing to say they're not like literally they don't impact my daily life. They don't they don't impact my sex life now. You know, it those choices are going to feel less sharp and less hard to swallow as time goes on and one day you're never going to think of them again. And when you do, it's not going to hurt. It's not going to feel confusing. You're going to look at them as though that they, they're just like a piece of dust on the wall. They're Mm -hmm. nothing.
1: Absolutely. I like the idea that all of the men I've ever fucked are just pieces of dust on the wall.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This has been a particularly poetic uh,
1: episode.
0: (laughs) Uh, Okay. Well, um, or it can mean whatever you want it to mean. I, th- I mm-hmm. think that's the other thing. Um, Absolutely. Okay. A very confused college student, um, there is a, a lot of empowerment that can be had with recognizing that your past has no power over your, your present and your future. Um, and w- Sam and I are really, really glad and happy for you that you know yourself now today, the most you have ever known yourself. And that process will only continue. Thank you so much for writing.
1: Absolutely. We love you. All right, everyone. That brings us to the blind date segment of our episode. This is when we try and set you up with something that we think you're really going to like. This week, our blind date is?
0: It is a library app. Okay. Y'all know that I love... audibles or audiobooks too like audio, audibles the company audiobooks trying to break up with audibles because it's expensive as hell and jeff bezos is like the richest man in have, the world
1: he's going to be a have, trillionaire
0: <laughs> he could literally solve like 90% of the world's problems and capitalism is the devil's teat that he sucks on anyway that's not <laughs> the point of this fucking endorsement <laughs> um uh so um, because I didn't want to spend um my money at, at uh, Audibles anymore, I realized that my local library has uh, uses this app called Libby that's connected through OneDrive, and basically you can reserve and and take out. Uh, one books like in general, you can reserve them the the hard copies and the digital copies if you have something like a iPad or whatever to re- read them off of. But mm-hmm. more importantly, you can down reserve and download immediately all of their um, Audible or not Audible. I keep on mixing up those words. <laughs> Fuck you, Jeff Bezos. Um, their uh, audio book collection. If it's not you know being it's, if it's not taken out by someone else, you can have it immediately. So this whole time that I've been working on my Bastardly leap uh flagstone pati- patio I've been listening to the game of thrones books again sure. um, yeah and I love that they're that I can I can reserve books on here and they'll notify me when they're available and once I get to once I take them out like once I um take them out of the library they uh, I can download them immediately just like Audible's the app but it's fucking free so in a time when a lot of things are being threatened by terrible people and fascism and capitalism. I think it's really important to support things like public libraries um, and to, uh, you know, entertain ourselves with audiobooks. Yeah, absolutely,
1: And that's called cool. Libby
0: Libby L I B B Y. Um, and I did like five seconds of research for this episode and it looks <laughs> like it's available like na- nationwide. Um, I'm sorry if it's not available in your town, um, but it seems like a pretty nationally used app. LiBBY Libby.
1: Awesome. All right everyone. thank you so much for listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at just Breakup pod.
0: You can slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship memes, but most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at justbreakuppod.com, which is also where you can find our merchandise. This is the only place that we receive your letters. So if you DM us, we're not going to use those letters because we are at this point getting hundreds of letters a month. Um, so if you want to have your question answered on the podcast, you got to submit it there.
1: Absolutely. And if you want a better chance of having your letter answered, you can also support us on Patreon where we, uh, where you're allowed to submit questions and we have a smaller pool of letters. So yeah. don't forget to leave us a five-star rating and review and support us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you can get an additional bonus weekly episode. That's patreon.com slash Pod. This literally keeps the mics on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers, giving them relationship advice.
0: Original music recording, editing, and producing by our superhero, Big Cats. Make sure to check out his podcast, The What If Podcast. And remember the process of becoming yourself is a lifelong journey. The process of understanding yourself is one that will be fraught and filled with mistakes and missteps and wrong turns, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you are doing something wrong. Just because you make a choice that you don't love doesn't mean you are a bad person. We all have inherent good worthiness within us as we walk along this journey of life. We are all becoming ourselves and if all else Fails.
1: Just break up.